I actually recommend that people do a three date minimum. Um, and I have this formula where I recommend people assess compatibility the first and second date. Third date you use to assess chemistry. And I have a concept called the ABCs for the ideal third date to assess chemistry. Um, a is activity date, uh, based date. B is body language conducive. And C is candid self-inquiry. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Brandon Rader. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, You do a lot of things, which is why I brought you on, but we're going to talk about something very specific today, and that's your matchmaking business. How did you decide to get into uh, that realm? Well, so my background is in behavioral psychology, and um, I I have worked in a lab focusing on healthy habits. And my whole business started being predicated on um, lifestyle consulting. Essentially, you know, how do I give people the lifestyle tools and resources to shape the lifestyle that they desire? And so in focusing on these health behaviors, I also started focusing on the process of habit formation and um, really just cultivating this, this foundation for my lifestyle business. And what I had found was that a lot of my clients um, were single. And the reason why they were coming to me was because they wanted to focus on improving themselves before they got into their ideal relationship. And so as I was journeying through uh, this life transformation process with them, many of them started inquiring on dating services and uh, matchmaking services. At the time, I didn't provide those services. And so I first started diving into date coaching where I would help people with interpersonal relationship skills and then also help them with online dating and then also playing the occasional wingman. Uh, and so one of my clients, um, had really, uh, expressed a desire for matchmaking and this prompted me to go out and start seeking matchmaking services because one of the services I provided for my clients was, um, an affiliate affiliate service, which means that if I didn't provide that service myself, I would develop a relationship or with an affiliate where I could refer them and we would work together. Mm-hmm. Um, to help our this client achieve their goal. So my client just so happened to be connected with Patty Stanger from the Million Dollar Matchmaker. And he ended up uh, reaching out to her and her business associates. And I interned with them for a summer. And then from there, I sought out some matchmaking companies here in Denver that I could partner with. And that's how I ended up with Elite Private Search and It's Just Lunch. Um, I started out doing contracted work where I was focusing on still the date coaching and the styling. And I would refer my clients to them as candidates. Um, Candidates are the people who meet their clients. And then um, when the opportunity arose to partner with them on the matchmaking level, I took it. Awesome. Congratulations. I can't imagine what that experience was like uh, working with the million dollar matchmaker. Yeah, it was a wild ride. (laughs) Well, we met on Facebook and I wanted to bring that up 
and you messaged me and excuse me, when a new connection reaches out over messenger, it's like right away to pitch my, oh, here's my nutrition company or here's my uh, travel company. I want you to come be a part of it. But you waited a few days and you authentically slid up into my DMs. So if, <laughs> if our listeners are wanting advice on how to approach somebody on a social media network via Messenger, <laughs> I'd send them to you because you did it absolutely flawlessly. Oh, well, thank you. I love that. Um, I am good at sliding into the DMs. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Um, I love that. That's really funny. So date coaching came from behavioral science and now into matchmaking and you know your authentic approach through facebook messenger is one of the reasons why i felt like i wanted to bring you on today and and kind of uncover a little bit more about what people experience when they come to you for um, your services yeah so from the client perspective you know a lot of people are coming to us because they are either fatigued from online dating um, they're busy professionals and they don't have the opportunity to go out and meet people in their everyday environment. Um, you know, they're not going to bars or not going to social functions or single mixers. And uh, so for them, it's not that they don't want anyone special in their life. It's just that they don't have the time to do the uh, hours of sorting. And so what we do for our clients is we do that sorting for them. I actually like to look at ourselves as almost like romantic recruiters. And so when you have like a prof professional recruiting company, you know, you have a client and they have a very specific position that they want to build. And instead of sorting through hundreds of applicants themselves, they hire a recruiter to sort through applicants for them and give them a handful of the most qualified candidates. And then they will meet with them individually to decide which one's the best fit. And so that's exactly what we're doing just in the matchmaking realm. I, I totally get it. And as somebody who's burnt out on online dating, and I wouldn't use the word frustrated, but just not going to go that route anymore. Plus, I'm a busy professional. And when somebody like yourself has a matchmaking service, it might be right up my alley in order to save me time and that frustrating part of the sorting process. Yeah, I mean, that's where we get a lot of people is it, it's, it is tough out there. Um, the market is glutted um, in the online field. And you know, with that comes an abundance of scammers and misrepresentation. Um, and I think that it also comes with a glut of people who aren't using it for the right reasons. Um, so I can definitely sympathize with people why they also want to work with a matchmaker. Yeah, totally get that as well. And it would not be in anyone's best interest who comes to you and actually like uh, misrepresents themselves through the, through the interview process because then they're going to end up with the same results as if they were going out there misrepresenting themselves on their own. Absolutely. That's actually one of the reasons why I like to reach out through social media. Um, in fact, even if I meet someone because under normal circumstances, you know, I'm going to anywhere from like two to four events a week. And during this, I'm recruiting. I'm essentially like looking for quality singles that I could connect with our clients. And so 
even if I meet them in this environment, I will then try to add them on social media so I can get an idea of who they are, pay attention to their posts, um, you know, because I think that that tells you a lot about someone. You know, you can also see um, is there photos of another person in there that they look like they have a romantic relationship with? Um, are they super political? Are they making um, inappropriate comments, etc.? So you can get a good idea of someone's uh, authenticity through social media. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons why I reached out to you. I loved the thing, the stuff you were promoting. I liked your platform. And so I paid attention for a few days and I was like, cool, I'm going to reach out to this guy. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, it might seem repetitive on my social media where I'm talking about jujitsu or my daughter or <laughs> Colorado outdoor adventures or whatever, but that I was having this discussion with a couple of guy friends as we went to a hike on Saturday and that exact thing came up. He was talking about who he sees online and it's always like, oh, outdoor this and hiking that. And well, those are all qualities or values that I would look for in a partner because we could adventure together and I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like there's an abundance of what I'm looking for out there. It right. just so happens that when you reached out, I wasn't really dating on my own at that time. <laughs> it's timing. Timing's everything. Uh, you know, having the opportunity present itself um, is sometimes, I would say, more rewarding than going out and seeking it because um, that can become frustrating, right? If you're just constantly focusing on what you want or the process or the outcomes. Um, so I like it when timing works out that way. Right. Kind of like a chase versus an attraction mentality. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think the chase is synonymous with burnout. You know, like I'm working so hard to build this um, framework of an ideal relationship in my mind and then also going out there and finding somebody to fit into that framework. Yes. Oh, I love how you said that. So I actually, uh, I had made a post a while ago about talking about how a relationship is not meant to be a template that you fit someone into. A relationship is a story that two people write together. And I think oftentimes we create this predetermined script in our head of what a relationship should be or the type of person we should be with. And then we try to go out on that chase and find someone that we can fit into it and we try forcing them into it. And either one, they just don't at all and then we get disappointed or two, we do it enough where that person is then like, I'm never going to be the type of person you want to be. I'm out. Mm -hmm. uh, like me for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm like, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a great relationship. It just means that they didn't fit your predetermined script. I'm like, so sometimes we just got to throw that script out and then write our story as it's happening in real time. Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. And I want to ask a follow-up question of like, does throwing out the script mean that we throw out our non-negotiables or that we forget about our values-based um, choices? No. So how I would frame it is I like to tell people to focus on lifestyle and relationship goals when they're going into it. And that's the script I like people to focus on. And the difference here is that when you're creating a goal, it's essentially more broad, right? So you could, and that could be associated also with values. So let's say you, you had mentioned like outdoor activities, you know, so maybe your broad category is being active. And so I tell people you start broad, 
get specific and then you turn it into a story. So you would say something like, oh, I value broadly, one of my lifestyle goals is to be active. And what does active mean to me? Active means being outdoors, you know, not necessarily just being at a gym, but being actually outdoors. And then you tell a story and this is a story you would tell on a date. And so then you would say something like, oh my God, so I was up hiking with some buddies the other day. And so when you're telling this on a date, you're going to get a lot of information from the way someone responds to that. Either one, the woman's going to start relating to it because she can, com she can compare stories because she has similar experiences. Like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. I actually went hiking a few days ago. You know, in which case it tells you that there's compatibility there. Um, or they tell you something like, oh, I'm not big into the outdoors. I don't do a lot of hiking. And then they tell you it's not compatible. Or they glaze over the topic and that probably tells you it's also not compatible because they can't contribute. So then to your point is I tell people to focus on this because that's not writing a specific relationship script. You know, you guys could say we want to live an active lifestyle and you guys share that goal, but the way that you guys engage in that and the experiences that you have and how that person contributes and how you, how you contribute um, is completely unknown. You're not forcing it or trying to make this person do it a certain way or engage in a certain way, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. And it reminds me of a, a first date that I went on oh, last year. And we knew enough about each other um, ahead of time to know that I was kind of a gym rat. And she admitted to me on the first date that's like, I don't go to the gym, but I still live an active lifestyle. And I responded with like, you know, it's not required. But yeah. I do relate to you on that active lifestyle choice because yes. I like 14ers. I like hikes. I like, oh, I mean, my dog is the best off-leash dog in the world <laughs> right there on my heel the whole time. So you know what? A hike is great for me. I love that. That's a great example. So again, you go to that point and it, you talk about how, okay, so we both have value an active lifestyle, that broad goal. The specific piece to it can be different as long as you're still engaging in an active lifestyle. Like you can go to the gym. She can be doing her outdoors. Occasionally you guys might have some crossover when you guys want to do time together, but it's also okay to have that separate, you know? And then when you get to people who focusing on those specificities and are really trying to force a script, you would see, the opposite where someone's like no they have to want to hike 14ers they have to because I do that and in which case it's like okay so you're trying to force someone into a template as opposed to saying no we just need to live in an active lifestyle because that's what's the most important piece to me and the way that they do it and the way that I do it doesn't have to be exactly the same mm -hmm. I love what Esther Perel says about putting so much on one partner that they have to be our everything and how that's a recipe for disaster they have to be our best friend and our counselor and our, our spiritual guide and et cetera. Whereas like, let's just take my life, for example. I've been single for a really long time. I've been going to jujitsu for three and a half years. There aren't that many people out there that are going to be like, oh, I'm picking Dave because he does jujitsu. And I also cannot basically bring somebody into my life and have that expectation that they're going to join me on that journey. It's right. nice to have that support. But it's not a requirement because that sport is not for everybody. Uh, That's exactly right. I mean, you just really got to put an emphasis on, you know, where is it important to have those crossovers? Um, and I, I think that the most important foundation, like the most important crossover is communication um, and conflict management style. 
And so I think that those are the things that I try to look for that crossover and where I tell people that it's okay to kind of have a specific on that because if someone is conflict avoidant and someone is doesn't engage in open communication, then say you come up to this conflict of activities and what do we do together, what don't we do together. If you guys don't have the ability to communicate about that in a healthy manner, then that conflict is going to turn negative as opposed to it being an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I really, I think those are the most important pieces where we need to have that crossover is the conflict style and our communication styles. Yep. I, I like it. And I, I completely agree. And that brings us to the current events that are in our world where we're sheltering in place. We're not necessarily going out on a first date in person and we could talk about cohabitating couples right now with the isolation equals amplification that my men's coach tells us about, which is that conflict avoidant or conflict resolution style where cohabitating couples are, are pretty much either butting heads or they're growing in this period. But let's focus on the singles for a little bit where people are not in general meeting up in person for the first date. What are singles in, in your world experiencing and and how do you navigate that yeah so it's a really interesting time i think that it actually presents us with a really unique opportunity so we're offering a lot of virtual first dates right now right through zoom and what happens when you're doing a virtual meeting is you lose a lot of context of communication you know because they talk about how roughly 93% of communication is nonverbal and about 7% is verbal. And so that non-communication percentage is made up of um, body language, facial expressions, and appearance. And then that 7% is what someone is actually saying. Now, when you're on a first date in person, people are focusing mostly on that 93%. They're not necessarily focusing so much on what a person is and is not saying. And so going back to that concept of the the compatibility, focusing on that, I call it, it's a concept I call a love life list. And I tell people to focus on compatibility on those first and second dates. And to focus on compatibility, you have to focus on what someone is saying. How are they responding and reacting to your stories? Um, And, you know, specifically those stories that are related to your goals, your relationship and lifestyle goals. And so when you start listening to this, you can glean a lot more information about the compatibility because you're not distracted so much by someone's facial appearance or expression or, you know, their body language. And so when we're doing these virtual dates, I'm telling people, yes, you're losing out on a lot of context to kind of assess chemistry. I'm like, but you're gaining a really good opportunity to assess compatibility. And I'm like, so listen to what they're saying, utilize your love list list stories and focus on compatibility on that first and second date, and then go on your third date, or maybe it's a second date, either way, then that's when you meet in person, that's when you can then focus back on that chemistry piece, assessing body language, uh, physical attraction, interaction, et cetera. Um, So what I'm finding though, is that people are having a lot of positive intellectual exchanges and they're saying wow no i i i'm not sure if the chemistry is there um and they're like i need to meet in person to be able to assess that so i think that i'm telling you know that for people uh out there doing the corn dating and doing this the virtual dates i think that they really need to capitalize on that opportunity for the 
compatibility assessment through virtual dates and then um, wait to try to assess chemistry later on when they can meet in person. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds a lot like how people used to date. The guy would call up the girl, ask her out over the phone instead of text message or through the app. And that was their first initial conversation where they didn't have body language. They didn't have facial expressions included. They simply just listened to what the person said. And now that we have technology to do that over video, it, it helps us to understand, well, is there a little bit of attraction? Do I want to go out on a first date? Right. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is that, again, so I tell people chemistry does not equate to compatibility and compatibility is the key to longevity. And so the reason why we, a lot of people end up in relationships that aren't healthy or relationships don't last, that don't last is because they're focusing on chemistry. They are not focusing on compatibility. They want that instant attraction. And uh, sometimes it can relate to a cap or equate to compatibility, but not always. And so when, when we are focusing on, well, again, what someone is saying, we can really hear them in terms of, are they, are they in alignment with our goals? Do they want the same things we want? Um, and that can prevent us from wasting our time down, you know, in the long run where you will, you'll hear this a lot, or at least I hear this a lot in the dating world where, um, someone will talk about that chemistry piece and they'll talk about, well, this is what I was initially attracted to. I liked that they were tall, dark, handsome, or funny, slender, athletic, you know, they go into those specifics of the person that usually is associated with chemistry you know, physical attraction. And they're like, but then, and there's always that, but then, or else they wouldn't be single. Um, but then, you know, I wanted to get married. They didn't. I wanted to have kids. They didn't. I wanted to travel. They didn't. It's always the misalignment of those relationships slash lifestyle goals um, that leads to the dissolution of relationships. So when you're, again, you're just listening to exactly what someone is saying, you can really find out, is this worth my time? Is it worth my emotional investment? Um, I think it's also ironic how you'll hear people talk about, um, in hindsight, that they knew that person wasn't right for them. They'll say, I should have known they weren't right for me. You know, they always used to do this, or they would say that, or they would do that, or like, they would never let me do this. And you ask yourself, well, why would you stay in a relationship with this person? And it's usually because of that chemistry, why I was super attracted to them. Um, or there was a strong fit. We had a good physical relationship or a strong physical connection. Um, but they knew that it wasn't right. And that person was telling them everything that they needed to know to make that assessment in the beginning. They just weren't listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hear what we want to hear. Yes, we hear what we want to hear. So right. And then we make justifications for it or excuses. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, I find it very interesting. So now we have the opportunity to really listen. We're forced to listen to people. You have that's to listen to what they're saying. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, it's helping us through the pre-screening process. And it, it, personally, it helps me make the choice of what is my intuition telling me about going on an in-person date with this person? Yeah, I agree. I think that's your experience. What you're experiencing is what most people are experiencing. And if you use it strategically, I think people are going to end up in a really good place. Definitely. And I'm trusting my intuition more now than ever. And it reminds me of a, a saying that the things you ignore in the beginning are the things that will eventually come between you later on down the road. Yeah, I love it. They're the things that we always end up regretting, right? And you always thought, I knew that. Oh, God, if I would have only listened to myself. Uh, you know, you or that, that red flag or this red flag. 
Totally. Yeah, I agree with that. But you're doing everybody a, a service by pre-screening the red flags and you're kind of narrowing it down on the compatibility side. That is right. So most of what we do with our screening is focusing on that lifestyle and relationship compatibility. Uh, and then of course we are taking into account physical attraction, you know, the aesthetics that someone is attracted to, um, you know, and again, the most important thing from my perspective is the lifestyle and relationship compatibility. And then chemistry is intangible. You know, we don't really know how to spark it or what, what creates it between two people. So from that point, the, I feel like I do a good job, um, or I can say it's a job well done if two people are compatible in their relationship and lifestyle goals, because then what happens after that is out of my hands because it's chemistry and I don't control the chemistry between two people. If I did, mm -hmm. I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> you would have the, you would have the get rich quick or the, the key component to sending people off into the world yeah, with success. Exactly. Um, I don't know what the world would <sighs> That would be a crazy world. Could you imagine if someone knew the actual uh, catalyst for creating romantic chemistry between two people? Um, I think that would be an interesting world where you could just pick any person you wanted and you're like, cool, I can pick whoever I want and I can just make chemistry happen like that. Uh, it'd be an interesting world because it, uh, it would take out the idea of, I guess, serendipity, free will, uh, you know, the forces of nature, powers that be. Mm -hmm. You can't want it enough for the both of you. So if one person is attracted to the other and the other one just didn't feel it after the first or the second date, I know I've been there on both sides before, you can't want it enough for the two of you. And that's not going to help you build chemistry or compatibility. Right. I mean, it's essentially, it's just a waste of time because if you know deep down it's not going to work and you try forcing it or you either way, whether you're the person who, you know, doesn't quite feel it, but you want to try to make it work uh, because you like this person on some level or you think that you should like this person on some level because maybe they meet all of your check boxes um, or vice versa where you really like that person and are really attracted to them and you want to make them like you. Um, but usually doesn't work out favorably if you're forcing it. Yeah, definitely. And I really like the fact that you brought up wasting time and I'm all about saving time. I'm all about saving money, business owner on a budget, right? So when two people are trying to discover if they're compatible with each other, and they're consciously dating. This is something that we're working on here on our side at the podcast of defining what conscious dating is. And it comes down to the point of like one person hears from their intuition that like, this isn't the right fit for me, but they stay in it and they don't set the boundary for themselves and for the other person of simply just saying, hey, it's been great, but it's a no for me. And I want to let you go find it what it is that you're looking for out there. I think that's really important. I actually recommend that people do a three date minimum. Um, and I have this formula where I recommend people assess compatibility, the first and second date. Third date you use to assess chemistry. And I have a concept called the ABCs for the ideal third date to assess chemistry. Um, a is activity date, uh, based date. B is body language conducive. And C is candid self inquiry. And um, you know what I like to suggest here is that if you, once you assess that there's compatibility and then you give the opportunity for chemistry to flow or develop, um, then you can make a fair assessment. Is there a full connection here? Yes or no. And if you say yes, after the third date, 
then that's when you gently tell someone where you stand, you know, say it, not too much pressure, not like I'm in love with you, I'm ready to marry you, but something along the lines of, uh, I think you're really interesting and I've loved getting to know you and I'm looking forward to learning more. Um, and if it's a no for you, if you assess that there's either not enough compatibility or not enough chemistry, um, I call it BTW, uh, you know, by the way, I'm not interested and B stands for be positive. T stands for tell them that there's either not enough compatibility or not enough chemistry and W is wish them the best. And, you know, so like start positive. Wow. I've had a really fun time with you. You're a really funny guy. Um, and, but for me, I feel like there's not enough chemistry there, but I definitely wish you the best because I think you're an amazing person and I hope that you find your person. Um, and usually people feel comfortable at the third date taking this type of rejection, or you could say taking this type of, um, you know, you could say, call it like a conscious separation, <laughs> um, or that, you know, admit things are a match, um, because three dates is a good amount of time. Also, if you're really focusing on assessing compatibility and chemistry, then you're actually coming from an informed state. And if you tell them that there's either not enough compatibility or not enough chemistry, that takes away the thorn in our side when we're rejected. And the thorn in our side is the unknown. That's, well, was it me? Was it something I said? Was it something I did? Is it how I look? Why don't you like me? Uh, what is, what's wrong with me? And it's no, you take that away when you say, it's just there's not enough chemistry or there's not enough compatibility. And usually that's enough. Some people might ask for a specific, well, what do you mean? And you could say, well, you know, I just feel like uh, I am into a really active lifestyle. And I know that that's not really something after the third day, I've realized that's really not something you're interested in. And it's so important to me. So that compatibility piece just isn't there for us. Um, mm -hmm. It's important to me, you know, so again, mm -hmm. it takes through that unknown. Yeah, I definitely want to ask you a question about that. That's very insightful. And I, I guarantee it's going to go a long way for our listeners. But on that third date, if we're giving the explanation of like, I'm into an active lifestyle. It doesn't appear that you are. Then they could actually kind of personalize that a little bit more and say, oh, no, 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 but I am. You just haven't given us enough time to sh for me to show you that I'm an active person. Like, is that kind of a part of the scenario that could come up? Uh, do we really need to give that kind of an explanation at that time? For the most part, I would say no. I think that it's gen it's best just to be the broad, you know, be broad saying, telling them that there's either not enough chem chemistry or not enough compatibility. The only time that I would go into more specifics is if they ask for it, if they say, you know, well, what do you mean about compatibility or chemistry? Um, and then you go into the specifics. And at that point, um, don't ask a question unless you want the answer. I would say the best is that you can be candid in a courteous way. Um, but it's fair enough for you to say, okay, I'm going to tell you, if you ask me, I'm going to give you the, a direct answer. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for clarifying that. I was, I was definitely kind of like a little anxious over here on kind of feeling that, that, that could be taken personally at that time. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely don't ask a question. You don't want to know the answers to. <laughs> exactly. And I think that here's the thing is that three dates is actually a long time for most daters. So again, that third date point is usually a safe place to let someone know what's not quite there for you because they'll be like, okay, yeah, three dates is a, is a good amount of time. Um, you know, I'll ask people, I, when I'm interviewing people for date coaching, I'll, one of the questions I ask them is, 
Um, how many dates do you feel like it takes to assess chemistry? Most people say one. Um, and I always say, no, three date minimum. So most people after the first date are saying, no, bye, see you later. And so asking someone to do a third date is sometimes um, challenging, you know, and I get a lot of pushback from that. So I tell people, you know, three dates is a lifetime to a lot of daters. No doubt about that, especially in our, in our swipe right onto the next type culture right now. And one of the foundational principles of the podcast here in our community is that self-awareness and self-awareness goes a long way to understanding that like on a first date, it could, it could be a no for me and to set the boundary, it's not going to be a second date and that's okay. Totally okay. But if you have enough, maybe not a percentage of compatibility on the first and second date, then give it a shot, you know, go for it. If if it doesn't turn anything, you're at least going to learn something about yourself, improving your self-awareness along the way. 100%. I love that. I actually recommend again to a lot of my daters that they, the date that dating is about the I and relationships are about the we. And so when you're focusing on the I, that's about what do I want? What do I need? What can I learn? How do I feel? Um, and it's that, it's that learning process. It's that discovery process. Um, and then once you start getting into a relationship, it's how do we feel, you know, what do we want? What do we like? What do we need? Um, and I also tell people that dating should be about discovery, not drudgery. And so if you're not discovering something about yourself or the process, then you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And when you're describing the, we, um, Stan Tatkin calls it the couple bubble, and how much of an overlap of the I and the I coming together to become a we? Because then we start to talk about codependency and interdependency, which is a, a really good thing in a relationship. Yeah. I'm dependent on you for this. You're dependent on me for that. But we're also individually intradependent on ourselves. Right. Yeah, I think that it's, it's something it's going to be different, again, between every couple, you know, the level of um, interdependence that they have on one another. Um, and I think that, you know, where you start to see that crossover is when you officially decide to take a further steps into the relationship development phase. And for my daters, I recommend that after that third date. So I say like, okay, so you guys are going on these first three dates. If you're doing the process I recommended, then you've already assessed that there's compatibility there. You know, there's a key ingredient to longevity. Now you've assessed that there's chemistry there. So you know that there's this drive there you know to propel you guys forward and then you go into that fourth and fifth date and this is when you start moving into more of that integration phase and bonding phase like do I introduce you to my friends and then if I do introduce you to my friends do they become our friends and that's where you start to cross over into that we from being mine uh, you know my friends and how do I feel about you meeting my friends versus you know here are our friends and we are now going to be going out with our friends together um, and so I think it's like that fine line between where you start with the I how do I feel about this and then after you introduce that person into whatever realm it is in your relationship then it starts to move into the we mm -hmm. it's a healthy level of separation Yes, of course. Absolutely. And that's different for every couple too. And so is the timeline. Like just because we're talking about the third date today doesn't mean that we're, we're having the exclusivity conversation at that time. Right. Also, we, we can take time for I, for me to understand who this person is, how do they fit into our compatibility or, or the way yeah. that my life exists now. 
and I, I think about this a lot, my life as it exists now is new to me. I, I don't know <laughs> how necessarily I fit into my own life. And this is me in the last couple months. I've definitely come to face this um, situational change and actually flourish during this time instead of constricting. This has been a tremendous momentum changer for me and a growth phase for me. So I'm eternally grateful for it. But that timeline is really what we're, what we're talking to people about right now. By the third date, you know there's compatibility and chemistry, but you don't necessarily need to know that there's exclusivity or that it's like happily ever after. Right. 100%. I agree. And I think that for the most part, you've just assessed that by that third date, that there's the necessary components for a solid connection there. Um, and then after that, it's still all about the exploration of the I and where do you stand? How do you feel? Um, and then you decide like, what's the appropriate time to start progressing more towards the we. Um, and I just think that the third date's just like safe territory to assess that the components are there, but you're right, that timeline needs to be appropriate for each person. I also think it's a, a, like a good conversation to have with people about like what their timeline kind of looks like. And you don't have to ask it so explicitly, like, so what's your, what's your dating timeline? Are you looking to get married in the next year or have kids? Um, I think it can be something, you know, it can be more subtle. It can be something established through your love life stories. Um, you know, you can start talking about on the second date, you could talk about some family activities that you have coming up or some, you know, maybe you have a trip planned with friends and you start talking, telling this story to one demonstrate, um, maybe you love travel and you're talking about a big trip you're going to be taking with friends and family and you can see what their responses are. You know, do they say, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. What a fun trip to take. I would love to go on a trip with like some friends and family in which case that signals to like they are subtly suggesting like, I would love to go on a trip like that with someone I was dating. So mm -hmm. that tells you what, how level, what their level of openness is to that and gives you an idea of general timeline, right? Would might tell you something along the lines that they're open to this process of integration sooner rather than later. Um, or they might say, Oh my God, uh, you know, I can, I wouldn't even imagine doing that. I like doing like solo trips. I like, you know, traveling on my own. Um, or I can't foresee myself really traveling in the next few months with all the craziness happening out there. You know, I'm not really mm -hmm. um, open to travel. And then right mm -hmm. there, they're telling you that they're really not open to that concept at this stage. And so that tells you that maybe their stage for integration is going to be a little bit further down the line. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense to me. And I have a couple examples from my life that comes to mind. This year, I was planning to take my daughter to Greece in September because I turned 40 in July. She turns 18 in August. She just graduated high school, and I, I wanted to celebrate that with our first international trip together. When I'm dating now, I tell that story of like, hey, I'm going to bring up this disappointment that I was planning this trip in, in September, planning it since last year, but because of the gym shutting down and I lost income, I have to put it off and shoot, we don't even know if we should be traveling to Greece at that time. Right. So this is kind of a, like a, a serious, a serious opportunity for me to kind of open up, be a little vulnerable, which is scary for a lot of us talking about how this last two months, last three months has really impacted my life on a shared interest like travel. Yes. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. And then last year, um, I, I met a girl 
in person at a friend's birthday party, really attractive. And from the first date or two, I started talking about two trips that I had planned end of June, beginning of July, where I was going to be out of town. And as I was describing these trips, definitely for two reasons. One, to prepare my potential partner that I would be out of town. And then two, I never received any like any movement forward on interest of like doing that together. And, yeah. and why I chuckle now is because the trip to Michigan was the only one that I had a plus one to this wedding. Out of three weddings last year, that's yeah. the only one during the time that we dated that I had a plus one for. And based on like the feedback and maybe uh, the not confronting or avoiding that conversation altogether, I, I cannot invite somebody I just met six or eight weeks ago to go to Michigan with me on a weekend to a wedding. At least with that, with her timeline, I mean, who knows, mm-hmm. we've kind of been feeling it. But that's a great example. Like, I love that, telling a story about like a, a wedding or like a personal engagement where you have like a plus one. Um, I think that's, that's a big conversation for a lot of people. Like, when do I invite someone to a plus one event? When can someone become my plus one? Um, Definitely great. after the exclusivity conversation. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> really interesting I think that it gives a good it gives you a good idea of where that other person stands in terms of their level of level of integration and their readiness for integration. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that, and, and I chuckle because like neither one of these situations or these stories that I tell on the first few dates is going to change the outcome of our relationship at all. Um, I was excited about the two weddings I had to go to last summer. I was excited to travel by myself, also. When I had booked these trips, I hadn't anticipated meeting somebody and dating them throughout that time. This year, I actually used this conversation of, I had a planned trip to Greece. I'm disappointed. I'm sharing this opportunity to build more connection and to determine some more compatibility with my partner. One, it, it does a few things. It talks about how it shows that you're family oriented. Um, it brings up the subject of children. Um, cause a lot of people like, oh, when do I bring up that I have kids? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, don't make it awkward. Don't make it a thing. Don't, just t- tell a story. So I, the other day I was at a supermarket and my daughter and I, um, you know, first we went and got a Manny and Petty or something. And then we went to the store or, you know, my daughter and I went to, uh, this, this football game or something like that. It's a story where you mention who you were with and if it happens to be kids, mm-hmm. you know, and then they can ask more details if they care. You know, mm-hmm. how old is your kid? Um, if they care about it, they'll ask the details. If it bothers them, then, you know, you're probably, they're probably not going to want to pursue a relationship. You'll get a good idea based off of the way someone responds or interacts with you. So it shows that you're family oriented. It brings up the kid. It talks about travel. It shows that you're vulnerable. It talks about the stresses that you're under, under current situations. Um, you know, all it does, that one story accomplishes so many things and tells so many or so many details of your life just in mm-hmm. one whole story so i love that yeah i've got a couple of go-tos besides the grease story which is more about like my experience this year but it also includes my daughter it lends to the follow-up question of like oh do you travel a lot have you been to greece has your daughter ever been to greece you know things like that but i have this go-to story because my daughter is the funniest person i've ever met in spite of me not because of me <laughs> And I take her and I tell it just like this. Um, I take my daughter on daddy-daughter dates. You know, every other weekend we go to lunch or we go to dinner. And 
recently, you know, she's 16 at the time. We're driving through the small town that she lives in. And I, she's giving me directions to this restaurant she wants to go to because it's her turf, not mine. And we drive past this uh, hair salon. And I'm like, hey, Maddie, you, you see that um, Aveda salon? I used to get my hair cut there when I lived in this neighborhood. And Adele, the owner, used to cut my hair with a straight razor. Best haircut I've ever gotten. And my daughter turns and looks at me and she goes, Adele, huh? Did she call you a thousand times? <laughs> and what that does is it just opens up this really uh, levity moment in a date where I find it's appropriate to tell that story. You know, it shares that how much I care for my daughter because she's so funny. She's most of her jokes are pointed at me, but that's all right. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's great. It also shows, it shows that you value humor and it shows again, the level of family orientation that you have, uh, which I think is important for painting a picture in terms of compatibility with someone. Because if someone say doesn't have children and they don't understand that and they're wanting a, a, a partner who is not super engaged with their children. Uh, and that can reflect in a few different ways. Oftentimes it reflects in the way of a person discussing the age requirement of a person they're dating in terms of that their child. So while well, they need to be grown and out of the house because I want a partner who can devote most of their time to me. Um, and so mm -hmm. I think for you, it's actually valuable to talk about because your daughter's 18, so she's older, but still expressing the level of interdependency that you guys have with each other. Um, I think that's really important for any potential suitor for you to be aware of. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And um, I've dated a lot in the last three years of being single. And when that, when that story first occurred, it, it wasn't that long ago, probably a year ago, maybe even last summer, because she's still 17 when she graduated. I started telling the story to everybody that I knew. And people really enjoyed that connection from me with Madison, but also the way that I share what's going on in my world. And it's a special moment for the two of us and I hold on to it. And the more I tell it, the more fun it gets for me. And then it clues me into a lot of values that the person across the table from me um, has. Right. And it's a story I can tell early on in the dating experience too. I don't have to wait until date four or five or six to let somebody know I have a kid. Right. Exactly. I also think that, you know, the best part about telling stories is it's more engaging in terms of a form of communication and it provides you details that you can't get from interview slash listing style responses. And that's usually the default form of communication on like those first two dates. Um, I feel like it's like a environmental, you know, like a psychological cue that when you are sitting across the table from someone new, you, your automatic mode of conversation is to go into interview style. Mm -hmm. You always have this role where someone ends up the interviewer and another person's the interviewee. And when I hear feedback on dates uh, from people who get into this mode of communication, you always hear the interviewer saying, I felt like I had to do most of the talking. I felt like I had to dig information out of them. Um, and the other person does it was like, no, we had a good conversation. Um, you know, <laughs> talking about themselves, answering questions, it was easy for them. Um, but it is just a common mode that we go to, but it also doesn't provide you the details you need. Um, so other than being not a, not being a form of communication that's conducive to chem romantic chemistry, um, it's also, uh, again, going to be devoid of some of those details. You could ask me, Brandon, do you like travel? And I could say, I love travel doesn't mean the same kind it doesn't mean it's the same kind of travel that you love 
-hmm. You could ask me if I, um, you know, if I'm family oriented or if I like kids and I could say, I love kids, but you know, that doesn't mean that I want to spend time around them. I could just be like, sure. No, I mean, I'm fine with them. They're great. And then, but if you say, Oh, like what kind of activities do you like to engage in with like your children? I could be like, what are you talking about? They're always with the nanny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love them because I don't have to deal with them. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's a, when you tell stories, it just gives you those details and the way that someone responds and contributes that story provides you the details you need to know so much more than just asking questions and waiting for one word, two word responses. Yep. And that brings to mind, I love that explanation. It brings to mind a question and it can be framed in both ways oh you have sisters what was it like growing up with two sisters i'm definitely answering the question about how many sisters you have but i'm also calling back to my childhood what it was like to have two older sisters and then i get to share a story where my sister put rubber bands around my ankles and made me hop down the down the uh down the hallway she thought it was hilarious until i fell on my chest and knocked the wind out of myself (laughs) Okay, so my sisters were bullies and I was a little short kid. And then I can go into that story of how I was always undersized. And then thank God for jujitsu because now I can stand up for my sisters. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's true though. I mean, the way that we do ask questions, is it open-ended? Is it, you know, uh, is it a, or is it a close-ended question? You know, always aim for the open-ended questions. Give people an opportunity to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Stories go a long way to build connection. And um, I know your time's valuable. I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if your story resonates with them? So reach out to me on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I'm also now on TikTok. I just started. Um, don't judge me on my horrible dance skills. Or they can feel free to reach out to me through Elite Private Search's website. Um, on there, it has my uh, business email as well as my direct office line if someone's interested in being a candidate. Um, and if they have any other questions about dating, relationships, or matchmaking, um, I'm available. And again, reach out to my social media or professional website. Got it. Thank you. I'll I'll put all that information in the show notes below, but you said candidate and candidates don't pay, but clients do. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. Um, So candidates, um, it's free for them to meet our clients. Our clients are the paying party. They've hired us to go out and search for quality singles on their behalf. Um, So the only thing that it costs candidates is about 45 minutes of their time to meet with me so that I can learn all about who they are and what they're looking for. Got it. Awesome. And before I let you go, what's one thing that we briefly touched on, didn't get to that you want to expand on? You know, I think that we covered everything that I wanted to discuss today, but something that I really want to emphasize is that opportunity for virtual dates right now. I know it's a weird world and I know that a lot of people are um, adversive to this concept of online dating and Zoom dates, but again, it does pre- present a really unique opportunity to assess that compatibility piece, which is key to longevity in a relationship. And then now that restaurants are reopening, you know, we have the ability to, uh, um, practice safe social distancing in outdoor spaces. Save those dates for that third date. That's that activity-based date where you have the opportunity to get a good read on body language and you have the opportunity to assess chemistry. 
I want to say thank you, Brandon. That's really good advice. And I know that I can, I can take it with me as I get back out into the dating scene for the first time this year. Um, I'm super grateful for your advice and can't thank you enough for spending the time with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine, Brandon.